Hey, uh, welcome everybody, and welcome. We've got a whole room full full of people. We're recording this live. At, How um, about we get a live from PyCon? Yeah. Shout out! Yeah. There we go. Thank you all. Hello and welcome to Python Bytes, where we deliver Python news and headlines directly to your earbuds. This is episode 333, um, half of a beast, recorded April 21st, 2023. And I am Brian Aachen. And I'm Michael Kennedy. And we are live at PyCon, 20, PyCon US 2023. Yeah, it's excellent to be here. Thanks everyone for coming. It's, it's awesome. It's a real honor. So, um, shall we kick off the show? Let's kick off the show. I think first, I just like maybe to get your thoughts real quick on PyCon, the expo, people. How, how's it feeling this year? I, well, it's the first time I've been back from the pen. I didn't show up last year, so I'm pretty excited. It's really good to see people. There's people that I haven't seen in person since 2019, so it's pretty awesome. How about you? Same. It's really great to reconnect with a bunch of people and see folks I haven't seen for a long time. Really yeah. nice. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, plus, we got the Python staff this year. Uh, yeah, the Python, year. The, the staff of the staff <laughs> of Python things. So I want to talk about something that's all the rage, and I do want to put that on the screen for the live stream people as well. And that is more AI chat things. What do you all think about Chat GPT and all these things? Is this scary, or is it scary, or is it awesome? Like. Ah, uh, we're getting, yeah, yeah okay. all right. <laughs> pretty, so pretty honesty. mixed. I think that represents how I felt. I felt like everyone out there at different stages in this whole journey. Yeah, uh, but what we what we saw is a whole bunch of thumbs up, uh, and a lot of sideways. So we're not quite sure yet what we think of it. We're not quite sure yet. It's one of those things that's kind of here. The cat is out of the bag. We. We can either rail against it or, or find good uses for it to take advantage of it. So Microsoft has found a way to use their large language models behind OpenAI and the stuff that powers ChatGPT to help security defenders, they say. Like if I'm on the blue team trying to stop people from breaking into my company, I could use a little bit of help with that. And you can already use ChatGPT for all sorts of crazy programming and... Uh, security type of things, right? You can say, hey, dear chat, I would love if you could help me write a phishing email that looks convincing. Or I would like you to help me identify things I might test for a misconfiguration Nginx files and what I might do with that, you know? Those are all bad things, but this project here is called Microsoft Security Copilot. It says empowering defenders at the speed of AI. And so basically what this is, is it's chat GPT but instead of using a general purpose language model, it's using a cybersecurity focused large language model that understands things like don't let me get hacked, buffer overflows, configuration files, that kind of stuff. So if you're in the, the space of cybersecurity, which Python is one of the most popular languages out there for cybersecurity, right? Both sides of it, the good and the bad. But yeah, so basically you give it a prompt, you ask it a question about configuration file or some kind of environment and it will allow it'll go and use that large language model and it doesn't always get it right and this is one of the big challenges maybe some of the thumbs down from you all were like you know it, this large language model made up something about the world or, or whatever but it was real confident it was certain it was right but it wasn't uh so this has a feedback loop you can say no no that's actually not misconfigured security copilot thing that was okay and here's why and so you can you can have this this loop uh, loop that you would have with you know maybe with like a junior 
cybersecurity researcher or whatever. And another thing that I don't really know how all these large language models work and all this AI stuff works, many of it, much of it seems to be, we're going to go find a bunch of other people's work and then take that and we'll have a really cool system with this cool data, right? Like we're going to scan repos and maybe it doesn't matter if it's GPL, if we filter the GPL out through some kind of neural net or, you know, get all the Getty images. And now we can create really cool pictures if you ask for it, but the Getty wasn't on board with that. So this, this data story is kind of a little suspicious for these, but with this one, they explicitly say your data does not get shared back. It doesn't go anywhere. This is like, you can even lock it down about how other people are allowed to access it. So that's kind of cool. And yeah, they're basically trying to help people go through log files and other things on the server where people are trying to hide their tracks behaving normally, but not really, and pull those things out. Now I have no experience with this, but I know I interviewed some folks on Talk Python who are astronomers looking for um, exoplanets. And they were able to take old Kepler data and apply some machine learning and computer vision and discover 50 new exoplanets that people thought they had already analyzed. And guess what? They were hiding. They couldn't be discovered by people, but by computers they could. I suspect the same type of thing is true here. Like there's 10 million lines of log file and these three are suspicious, but nobody really noticed, you know? So anyway, if you're in cybersecurity, definitely give this a, a look. So next I want, and should have thought of this ahead of time, but um, we've got a bunch of people here uh, that can't see our screens and I do, which is a good reminder that uh, this is also an audio podcast. It's Primarily, not just yeah. on YouTube, uh, apparently. Um, so the, the next topic I'll be, I'll have to be careful talking about, but it's, um, it's PEP 695 type parameter syntax. Now this is, uh, this PEP is an, imp it's, it, uh, it's for Python version 3.12. It's accepted, so it, um, I don't know if it's already in some of the alphas or betas or not. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, uh, but we've got, so it's accepted for 3.12, type parameter syntax. The, the abstract is this PEP specifies an improved syntax for specifying type parameters within a generic class function or type alias. It also introduces a new statement for declaring type aliases. What does that mean? Uh, well, I like to, if you, it has some great examples. So we go, if we go down to the examples, um, there it's the old way. Like, let's say I've got, um, one of the, one of the examples is great. So let's say I've got a function like, uh, that takes, let's, it takes something. We don't know what the type is, but it takes something and then it returns the same type or it takes something it takes two of, it has to have two of the same typed things. Like doesn't I, matter what they are. It doesn't matter they what they match. So like two ints mm -hmm. or two floats or two lists or two tuples. It doesn't matter what, but it, it's the yeah. same thing. The old way to do that, which is, I still think it's fairly recent. I think this might've been 3.11 for type var. Um, it's pretty new, I think. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm laughing because it's, it's rolling over so quickly, right? Yeah. So the, um, uh, anyway, the old way to do it was uh, from typing import type var, and I didn't even know you could do this. And then you declare a new type using like like as in this example underscore t equals type var, and then in parentheses uh, underscore t, and then you can use that as the type of arguments. And that's really kind of ugly syntax. And the new proposed syntax is to just 
give a bracket, like bracket T bracket after the function to say, basically it's a templated function. Like all the other generic statically typed languages like C and stuff, right? Yeah, or so C++. it definitely reminds me of like uh, the type, uh, yeah, the, the templates. Templates, thank yeah. you, um, in C++ and stuff. So um, it's definitely easier. I still, I'm not sure. It's, so it's approved, so we'll get this in 3.12. It's definitely better than the old way, but it's still, I think we might be confusing people with this. What do you think? I think types in Python are awesome, but I think it can also go too far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, let's ask, since you all are here, let's ask, like, how many people like typing in Python? Uh, almost uniformly, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it can get, can get over the top sometimes, I think. One of the things, though, is cool. One of the bottom examples in this, it shows that combining types. So, like, maybe a function that takes two of the same type things, maybe that's a little weird. But if it's not too weird if you think of, like, lists of things. If I want to say it's it, it's it can either be a list or a set of a, of a certain type, but only one type, how do, how do you say that without these generics? Yeah. So, yeah, no. uh, yeah, I think it is incomplete. And so it's the question of how far are you going to push the language to get that last couple percent? Anyway, it it's is like, looking a lot more like C, isn't it? Mm, I'm glad I studied that, but also glad I don't have to write it these days. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so, uh, something to look forward to in, in Python 3.12 is PEP 695. Yeah, absolutely. While we're riffing on types from it, I just want to, uh, make a quick comment. I got a, a message from somebody uh, recently on this, this project said, Michael, I discovered a bug in your code. Um, it doesn't run. I'm like, oh, really? It seemed like it ran last time I touched it. But okay, what's going on? And then, well, you, you use, use the lowercase l list bracket type, and only capital L list works. Like, no, the bug is you're in Python 3.9, not 3.10, <laughs> and this is a new feature. And I think, I, I'm joking kind of, but with all these changes so quickly, like it starts to get, you've got to be on the right version of Python or this thing won't exist, right? And it's going to be an error. Yeah, so it used to be. Ah, oh, last five versions is fine. Now it's like, yeah, last version is fine. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, that that I'm starting to. I'm working with some some educators, and one of the 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 tricky things in like universities is the is the, the your your curriculum is kind of needs to be known ahead of time, and they kind of set that. And so with Python moving so fast, I, I wonder how educators are dealing with this if they're if they're teaching three eight or. 311. All right, we got some teachers in the audience saying 311. The kids, they like new shiny things anyway. Give them, give them that. All right. All right. What, what's next here, Brian? What's my next one? I don't know either. No, I do. It has to do with AI probably. So this one comes to us from Matt Harrison, who's here at the conference if you want to say hi. Obviously, there's all this GPT stuff going crazy. But one of the challenges is you can ask it a question, it'll give you an answer, right? Like, hey, please write this code for me. And it'll go, boom, here's... You don't need to hire anybody. Just take this code and trust me or, or whatever, right? You ask it a question and you can ask it a couple of questions, but it has what's called, was it a token stack or something like that? It only has so much memory of like the context of what you're asking it and the ability to go and ask it to do one thing. And then based on its response, go do another. And then a third after that, it's not quite there yet. So there's this project called auto GPT. So if you have a open, a, uh, open AI API key, Basically, so if you pay for OpenAI or somehow have access to it, then you can plug it into this thing. And what it does is you give it a mission. You say, dear AI thing, what I would like you to do is go search Google for this, figure out what you find, 
and then get the top three most popular ones, go find their web pages, take all the information out of that and summarize them for me and then make a prediction about like who's going to win the Super Bowl because I'm going to bet big on it. I don't know. So basically that's the idea. It says it has a, a couple of benefits over regular chat GTP, for example, which is you can't um, connect it to the internet. I, I don't know if you ever played with it, but it'll say things like, I only know up to 2021, sorry. This one has internet access. It has long-term memory storage. It'll store in a database so you can like have it go on and on for a long time. Uh, file storage, all sorts of interesting things. So they have a video that we'll link in the show notes you can check out here. I'm going to mute it because I don't want to hear this person talk. But it says, uh, fires it up and it says, all right, we're going to get started. And what I want you to do um, your role is an AI designed to teach me about AutoGPT, the thing that is itself, right? Very meta, self-referential. Your goals as a list in Python is first search what AutoGPT is and then find the GitHub and figure out what it actually is from its GitHub project and then explain what it is and save your explanation to a file called AutoGPT.txt and then stop. And it will, if you run it, you'll say, okay, well now it's gone out to Google and it's done this thing and it's pulled it in and now it's starting to analyze it. And why is this interesting? This is all Python code, right? So this thing is created in Python. You run it with Python. I'm sure you can extend it in different ways with Python, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. You, you create these little things, you put them on a mission and you just say, go, you know, go get me tickets for this concert or go do this other thing. And, and here's the, the plan I want you to follow and you just set it loose. So anyway, if you want to uh, combine some Python and some automating of the large language models, there you go. This seems like something could definitely easily be used for evil. No, no way. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right. What do you got for the last one? I am ex so we've talked about rough before, I think. Um, so uh, there's been an announcement that Charlie Marsh is now his own company um, and hiring people. So uh, uh, Charlie Marsh uh, has formed a company called Astral, and he's made a good start. They st he's starting with $4 million uh, of investment money, so it's not a bad that is not so, a bad deal at all. Bad deal to start a company. Um, but I'm kind of excited about it, actually. I think, I, well, one, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, obviously, I, well, at least I hope it's a good thing for him. But the, um, but it's kind of, I just think it's neat that, uh, I guess I just wanted to highlight and say congrats, Charlie, uh, you're doing this. But so the rough, if you're not familiar, is a, uh, it's kind of like a flake eight linter sort of thing, but it, it's written in rust and it's really, really fast. It's so fast. You know, I can't, you, you can barely detect it's running, but it, you, it, yeah, how many of you all have heard of Ruff, R-U-F-F? -F? Uh, pretty much everyone, and this thing's only been out like a year, so that's that's a big deal. Yeah, I, I ran it on the, the Python bytes and the Talk Python code and 20,000 lines of Python, and it's you're like, did it actually run? Did I give it the wrong files? It might not have seen anything. It's instant. It's crazy. So one of the things Charlie's noticed is that... Um, that it's uh it's becoming very popular, but he's also getting a lot of requests. So it's a, a very active project now, and um and I'm sure it's taking a lot of time. So the, he's got things like uh, uh, new requests. Uh, let's let's do all there's do more of the extensions of Flake Eight, um and the which completely valid, um and then also uh yeah, well this was a good idea of taking part of the Python tool chain and rewriting it in Rust. 
what other stuff could we rewrite in Rust? And I think that's where they're they're headed is uh is is making like more Python things more rough like or you know rustifying them. So um, I'm I'm excited for it and to see what they come up with. And he's he's promising that a lot of the stuff is going to be open source available to everybody. So awesome! Congratulations, Charlie. That's awesome. I would say you know when I got into Python nine ten years ago. There seemed to be this really strong resistance to anything corporate, anything like people were trying to bring money. It was, it seemed really suspicious. Like, what is your, what is your motive here? Are you trying to corrupt our, our open source environment? And I think since then, we've kind of found a way where there can be commercial interests that don't undermine the community, but, but also come in and benefit. I mean, we saw Samuel Colvin uh, with Pydantic. We, we're seeing this now, and you know a lot of them seem to fall in textual. Absolutely, Rich uh, Will McCookin out with Rich. Sorry, Will, and uh, a lot of them seem to fall under this what's called open core business model, where like the essence of what they're doing, they give away for free, like Rich, like um, Pydantic. But then on top of that, there's something that that is highly polished and, and commercial and that, that's where they're kind of working and i personally am just really happy to, for these folks that this is happening i think it creates more opportunity it creates more opportunity for people in python people who worked on these projects for so long get a lot of it kind of pays off eventually right the the paypal donate button there's no way that that's a job that's like a, it covered my dinner once a month sort yeah. of thing i also get that there's a lot of people that can't do this i mean there's a there's a lot of things that people are happy with their normal job and and, but they're doing something cool on the side. I, we still need to figure out how to compensate those people better. Yeah. So yeah. we'll figure that out. One of the things I wanted to bring up is I, I was talking about this announcement with somebody just yesterday. And they said, oh, rough. Um, that's kind of like black, right? And I'm like, wait, I don't think it's quite, that's quite right. Um, I think of it more like Flake 8, but I, I was curious about the overlap. So I went up and looked in the FAQ and... Um, and the top question is, is rough compatible with black? Um, so yes, it, it says rough is compatible with black out of the box, as long as line length setting is consistent between the two, because black has a weird line length thing. Um, I've had no problem with running them together. And I was like, also, should I run them together? And right in here, rough is, it says rough is designed to be used alongside black. And as such, we'll defer implementing a, implementing stylistic lint rules that are obviated by auto formatting. So the, what does that mean? It means that there's no point if they're assuming that you're running black. So if, if running black will do something, there's no point in rough checking it because they know that you've already done it or something. They're going to, you know. Yeah. Don't let them fight. Yeah. <laughs> wrap this line, unwrap that line, wrap that line, unwrap that line. Well that, yeah. and also like, <laughs> That's not their highest priority of fixing, of checking for lint errors that black would have changed anyway. So, yeah. Indeed. All right. Well, congrats. That's very cool. I think that might be it for our items, huh? What do you think? Oh, yeah. For our main items. Our main items. You got some extras? I do have one extra. The one extra is um, on like Fikart. What's Matthew? Matthew oh. Fikart. Okay. Yes. Um, wanted us to bring up, which, sorry, Matthew, for me forgetting your name right away. Former Python Bytes co-host guest attendee yes. yeah um so i wanted to announce that the um tickets are available you it's now open you can buy tickets to sci-pi 2023 and sci-pi 2023 is in austin texas in july on july 10th through the 16th so that's open if anybody wants to go should be fun yeah anyone going to austin to go to 
Saipai, now you've all used up your your conference going. There's some, a maybe. Some, yeah, some maybe. maybe's out there. I mean, Austin would be great to visit. Saipai will give you a different flavor of Python. I think it'd be great, but yeah. uh, I can't make it. I'm coming home from vacation on the 10th or something like that, which is makes it a little tight to get all the way to Austin. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have any extras? I have uh, one extra, nothing major, kind of a, a follow-up here. The mobile app I talked about, that the mobile app is officially out for Talk Python courses, and I would like people to try it out. If they find a bug, just shoot me an email rather than write a one-star review and trash it because <laughs> we're working really hard to get it's complete. It's been two and a half months we've been working on it. Um, it's completely redone from scratch. It's very nice, and uh, but it, it needs a little testing across all the zillions of devices. Android is out. You notice, Brian, I did not say the Apple version is out, did I? No. Oh, no. No, no, no. Because when you submit something to Apple, what they tell you is rejected rejected your app does not do x y and z and it's got to and android's like yeah sure that's good so we're now adding in-app purchasing because without it you can't have your app so what? i'm going to work on that for the next week and then we'll have an apple version y'all can test and it will be out but it's just not out yet what are you going to sell for in-app purchases courses i actually wrote some of them you know i might even sell one of yours yeah the PyTest course yes exactly yeah. <laughs> Nice. Awesome. Anyway, that's that's my extra. What's Android, by the way? Yeah, it's... No, just kidding. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> this one, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take take a risk here and turn my screen around Okay. for everyone. Because this this joke is very visual. You'll be able to see it over there. And you'll, you can see mine. Then. But you know it already. This is what it's like releasing new production. We've got the senior dev... And we've got the junior dev. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. What is this, Mr. Bean? Yeah. Mr. Bean. <laughs> it's just people are rocking all over. The junior dev is hanging on for life. There's like a molten lava here in a second. That's the database. Some of the developers are thrown into the lava. Scrum it's master. Just, there you go. And the scrum master was thrown into the lava, which is the database. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> What do you all think? You ever felt that way? <laughs> no, it definitely throw the scrum master into the lava. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But anyway, that's what I brought for our joke. <laughs> nice. I like it. And I also took you off the camera. There you go. That's all right. Well, uh, this was fun uh, doing a live episode. It was very fun. And thank you all for being thank here. You. This is really awesome. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, everybody online for, for watching and showing up. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Fun. Bye, y'all.